Welcome to the fifth episode of Returning to Base, a Mech Warrior Living Legends podcast. Today we've got three guests. We've got Andrew. Hello, everybody. And we've got Landros Raddick. Hello, hello. And we've got Rick the Stick. Howdy. Um, Andrew, what uh, sort of things do you do? Well, I'm the leading sound, the current leading sound dev of um, MacVory Living Legends. I've been with the team since early 2017, yeah, and uh, I'm responsible for how things sound right now. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Landris, what do you do? Uh, right now, I'm mostly uh, moderation and consulting for, for the team, but back uh, at the start, I was video editor, uh, sound director, uh, sound designer um, for the team up until about 2009, 2008. And uh, since then, I've just kind of kept tabs on, on the team and, and just been around. Ah, so you're one of the old guard. One of the originals. And then our third guest, Rick the Stick. Well, what do you do? Uh, mostly I play MechWarrior Living Legends, and most recently I've uh, developed Stick Stats, which gives you a little more insight right now into the assets that people buy and uh, who, who, uh, who takes what asset in the game. I think we've got an entire episode planned on that for the future. Yeah, we, uh, we've got a lot to talk about there. Alright, well, seeing as we've got both Landros and Drew here, uh, I suppose we could even open up the topic to sound. Uh, what's going on with sound nowadays? Uh, actually, that is mostly done now. Um, there is still... What I might want to do is is very cosmetic, but the the overall sound design of uh, of the things that were needed and that was that were still lacking when is when I started out, that's all there. So yeah, it's mostly finished actually. So Andrew Landros, um, where were you getting like the source for the sounds you use? Are you uh, taking pieces of celery and cracking them over a microphone like those crazy Foley artists, or what? <laughs> not not too far off. Um, a, a lot of it was uh, uh, sound design libraries. Um, there were a, a lot of Foley libraries that were used, um, mostly uh, through one of my brothers who is, is, is a sound designer. Um, I used some some of his sound libraries in order to create some of the sounds. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of what was, was created originally was just composites of things. Um, the original direction of that, that I was going for was to be better than most everything that had been done previously. I was never really happy with the sound design of, of MechWarrior. Well, MechWarrior 3 was okay. Uh, MechWarrior 4, I was, I was sorely disappointed in, uh, and so a lot of it was to re-emphasize the, 
realistic things that you would think of uh that these these weapons would would evoke so um the beam lasers um were kind of a, a stabby pew pew that you you think of for for kind of sci-fi in my mind um but with some strength behind them especially when you got to the medium and, and large lasers and um and, and that kind of stuff so a lot of the original uh, sound design was based off that. Now, there's been a lot of revision and what you hear currently, which is absolutely fantastic. And I give a lot of credit to Andrew and um, Lear for, for that? fixing. Yes, exactly. Corn is mostly responsible for the new um, raw sounds when it comes to weapons. Yeah. And and so like all, all the, the new stuff that you hear, you know, post you know, 20, geez, I don't know when you guys started that, 2014, 2015, uh, is, is, is their work. So, um, there, there's still bits of, of things you can hear me, <laughs> which was initially just a, a temporary, uh, uh, as a, as the, uh, the clan, um, uh, success or failure, uh, voice in, in the game. But, um, there, there's a, there was a lot to, uh, to the original sound design. Yeah, yeah. We mostly, uh, Korn mostly revamped the ballistic sounds, and we, the missiles and the lasers were already perfect as they were. We saw no reason to change anything about those. They were, they were great, and they are still great. And uh, we, as it first comes to the PPCs, we only build on what was already there. The original PPC sound is was a great source, and um, then Korn came up with and. With an improvement, he uh, he mixed something in from the original Mac Warrior 5 trailer. I'm I think I remember when it comes to the ERPPC, and uh, I took it then even a step further when it comes to the heavy PPC. Uh, but the bass sound that's also Landros's work. Was Corn responsible for the recharge sounds and reload sounds? Some of those, yes. Some of those he made, um, uh, some of those uh, I actually made. Oh, cool. Those are very helpful in-game to help me know when it's time to fire again. Well, it's not the sounds only. I mean, we also had to actually um, put the code work in to make this work, which I heavily pushed for. Um, that was something that our uh, leader at the time, or now he's still our leader now, but Invictus wasn't too interested in actually doing that. But I said, no, this is this is really, really necessary feedback for the player. This is something that he needs at his hand or better at his ear. So, yeah, I, I at the point I got um, Erkto, um, who isn't active at the team anymore. He was a coder at the time as well, one of the leading coders. He um, uh, referred me to... Enoch, um, who is now, all, who made all of the, um, the code work for the reload sounds happen or the recharge. I mean, I would like to differentiate. There is reload sounds, which is when an empty tonnage gets uh, replaced. And then there is uh, chamber sounds when, when you, when there's just a cooldown between the weapons. So all of this is what Enoch put in code wise. Yeah. And, uh, on the south side, that was, uh, corn and me. What was uh, your most recent challenge in uh, sound design for the game? Uh, the challenge, unfortunately, remains always the same. 
the biggest problem of MacRoyal Living Legends is that um, comp uh, in um, different to other games is that uh, you have multiple weapon sounds and also multiple weapon sounds that are grouped up. Um, and that leads to these sounds, since they are synced, they will boost each other's value, uh, volume and they do it quite heavily. So the problem is to actually always level that out, especially since one in aspect of uh, what mod our uh, sound engine um, is broken in the instance that when you have a looped sound, you cannot limit its instances. If you do so and you hit the instance limit, the sound will just go broken. That's really unfortunate. And I had therefore to create um, a sound variance basically for, um, <laughs> for the weapons uh, into the game so that um, for um, machine guns, for example, uh, can be adjusted properly to to the overall volume. And uh, yeah, it's always a fight to do that. I think that's no really a satisfactory solution because um, the problem becomes that uh, when you fire one of those weapons, it will be very, very low in the overall volume because, as I said, they all boost each other when they are in perfect sync. Um, and yeah, this is the always something I have to wrangle with. And uh, since this is bugged in FMOD, there is always I always have to compromise on that. Yeah, it's even back when we were developing um, the sounds and things. And and you know, like Andrew said, it was he was pushing really hard to get coders. That was one of the things that we're really limited on uh, initially was to actually have enough um, coders to dedicate time to developing um, you know what we needed for the sound and so it was limited in the very beginning but what, what he's talking about for the instances and, and everything um, with the the sound engine it is very very hard because it's such a legacy product now that it you know you run in everybody remembers probably remembers you know all the sound cutting out you know a, after you fire stuff so there's a lot of great work that that Andrew and, and, and the coders have been doing to make sure that everything you, you see is what you hear in game. Um, and, and unfortunately there we're, we're limited by the, the archaicness of, uh, of the engine at this point. Yeah. Um, that's true. The, um, when we took it over at that point, all looped sounds or looped weapon sounds for the, um, for the um, rotary auto cannons and everything that's looped and firing, they didn't have a tail sound. That's also something that was uh, included thanks to Enoch's work. A tail sound? Do you mean like uh, as the weapon stops firing? Yeah, exactly. That echo sound that you hear when it stops firing. Uh, at the time when I took over, that didn't exist. It just cut out. Well, thanks for doing that. It, I do like my racks. <laughs> You're welcome. <clears throat> All right, well, I suppose we can move on to another topic. We got a substantial list of community questions that were posed. And uh, any of you feel welcome to give feedback, to answer them, or even if you've just got a little quip or a little detail, that works too. Yeah, some of these questions won't really be in your wheelhouse, but, uh, you know, some of us might have some uh, input on it. Well, since I'm a leading developer, I am pretty much have the picture of everything. 
So <laughs> it should be fine. So this is a question that each of you can answer in turn. I suppose we'll start out with Rick the Stick. What is the core appeal of this game to you? And this is posed by Hivemind522. For me, uh, it's my favorite MechWarrior game that I can currently play, I suppose. I've been a longtime fan of the franchise, and uh, I actually picked it up back in about 2016 when I was going through uh, the process of installing MechWarrior 4 for about the millionth time. Uh, and I came across somebody mentioned this game and installed it and tried it out, and I've been playing ever since. Uh, the Mech combat is probably my favorite part, but I have also really enjoyed the combined arms aspect. I'm a terribly huge fan of BA, but uh, airplanes and tanks are a nice variety and kind of flesh out the universe for me in a way that uh, previous MechWarrior games never did. Thanks. Uh, so I've, I've been, li like him, I've been a long, long time fan of uh, Battletech and MechWarrior. Um, initially, my so I'm the youngest out of, out of five brothers, but my, my older brothers would play, um, played a few games of Battletech and they had the box set and I loved the art, um, unbeknownst to me, it was, you know, the original on the scenes, um, that I also saw in Macross and, and stuff like that. So I, I always be, I became a big fan of Mecha and my, my favorite aspect of, of why I play MechWarrior Living Legends or, or even why I wanted to help develop it was literally the combined arms aspect. You know, you didn't, th there was no game that really focused on driving other assets other than just the mechs. And while I love mechs, you know, in the lore and everything that you saw on the tabletop was the vehicles and things were just as deadly. So I wanted to see that um, uh, come to fruition and, and, and see it realized. And I think, you know, the team, over the years, uh, almost over the two decades, has really realized that vision, and you you don't even see a a uh, a combined arms aspect outside of say Mech Assault, um, which is more arcade, but um, something that that really realized the BattleTech universe. Non-BattleTech properties that came you know vaguely close. There's a, the Battlefield Twenty One Forty Two. Which the which actually you know the the brothers Kami and Krim when they when they first started doing this that was the original engine that they were they were modding um, I think I remember some like old Timberwolf uh, or or Madcat that uh, that they had got hacked in and and then they're like um, I think they were approached by the enemy territory team uh, the Quake Wars enemy ter territory team to to mod that and then. You know, the, as the history goes, is we were, we were approached by Crytek shortly after. Well, it's certainly been an interesting journey. <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, uh, what's the appeal for you? I can only pretty much say the same thing. It's the combined arms aspect of the whole deal. Uh, for me, also, this is probably the best MechWarrior experience since MechWarrior 3. As far as I'm concerned, the whole franchise has been on a downward slope since MechWarrior 3, which was, as far as I'm concerned, it's the peak. It's the peak of um, of the official ones. 
there has never been better max simulation and unfortunately we are constrained that we never can reach this peak ourselves when it comes to max simulation because we have to work with workarounds to even get the max working uh, but yeah it's uh, it's the best uh, experience and that kind of this game just has a, a real battlefield atmosphere too and what which also comes down to sound again <laughs> um that is as far as i'm concerned it's unparalleled when when the when the servers actually fall and uh, everything you hear uh, weapons and see it, them going off everywhere and yeah there is an unparalleled battlefield atmosphere that i haven't experienced anywhere else I know with uh, MechWarrior Online, they've tried to replicate some of that with uh, weapons fire in the distance and uh, those sorts of things, but it just doesn't feel the same as if it were originated from an actual player. No, it's it's totally fake. Uh, it's in the background, and uh, yeah. Uh, and the game itself isn't too great either. The uh, I suppose I could answer that question too. The uh, what the appeal is. Um, it, it, it's okay, just 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 to go back on that point is it's it's hard to like you know we um, one of the, one of the things I remember developing for Living Legends in the like back in early early alpha or even pre alpha was getting distance sounds to you know originate for the weapons. So like you would have heard. Uh, you don't really hear it now um, because you, we have to kind of cut the distance sounds out because of the, the limitations of the sound engine. But originally, you know, Ken, I don't know if you remember Kentax, was when we had PPCs, if it was heard in the distance, like you heard this kind of thundering going on, like a lightning crack um, that, that kind of took a little bit to, to originate. But I had, we had to remove the, those kinds of things. And, and that was one of the things I, I, I really wish we could bring back. Um, because I still think even as, as cool as we've got it now and as, as much better as we've got it than, than say even MechWarrior Online, I think, you know, the whole atmosphere, I, I'd say almost 60% of the atmosphere is sounds in, in a MechWarrior game. And to really drive that point home is, is you have to have, uh, you know, more immersion from things happening around you and it and that's hard to balance because you know that's one of the design goals where you have to either play it like well if you're in a cockpit are you actually going to hear these sounds or th is everything else going to be kind of muffled and and you 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 see this kind of dichotomy of, of designing and you have to like choose one path or the other of what feels more you know realistic or or, or mercy and um you know you see games like uh steel battalion where everything's muffled outside of the cockpit so like you'll hear the kind of the rumbles and and some of the shots of of, of shells and things but for for mech warrior i think everybody just kind of would like to hear all of the like the crisp sounds rather than things being dulled so it's 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 a tough balance to try to you know evoke what the you think the player would would actually really hear if if that makes any sense i don't even know if that makes sense no it makes sense to me well in that regard um to distance attenuation what we have now is we you you have a crisp sound when you are actually close to the asset and you have a muffled sound and also 
a very mid-heavy sound when you are really far away from it, which is pretty realistic, actually. All right, well, I'll take a shot at uh, answering that question. Uh, and thanks, Hivemind522. That's uh, it's a really good question. Um, so in my case, I got my start... Oh, gosh, I don't even know what the first uh, MechWarrior Battletech thing I got into. But uh, I do know I was into the Clicks game when I was a kid. And uh, although that wasn't terribly long-lived and I didn't play a lot of matches of it, uh, it did get me thinking and I played... Uh, Mech Assault a couple times uh, when my friends with Xboxes were, uh, would come over and bring their Xbox over, things like that. Um, but after that, uh, there was just this long period where I wasn't reading any of the books, wasn't playing any of the games, but it was sort of just enough in the back of my mind that when I was on ModDB and I saw an ad for an upcoming mod, I was like, yes, I've got to have this. And that's actually what got me to buy crisis was the fact that living legends was going to come out for crisis uh, i don't think i would have ever considered crisis had i not seen that ad and uh uh i had played battlefield 2142 and it was a it's one of my favorite um battlefield games so when living legends came out and it had a lot of that feeling, not, not as much as it does now, but even back then, it had enough of that feeling that uh, I became quite absorbed with it. And there was a, about a year period, maybe in 2012, where I just didn't do anything. And uh, But I came right back as soon as I was done with uh, school, and I have, haven't really stopped playing since. Even when I went to Japan, and even when uh, we had uh, lack of um uh a proper launcher for connecting to servers and things i was uh the the friendly community and the access to the mechs and the tanks that i wanted to play without the excessive complexity of a mech lab uh was just such a draw that i was willing to go to great lengths to continue playing the game and, uh, well, that's how I got here. All right. Let's see. What... Go ahead. To be honest, I didn't even really talk about my stuff because that wasn't MacWarrior 3. I actually started on the novels. <laughs> oh. One day I went into a comic shop and said, okay, I want to read something. And then the cover of um, Thunder Rift, um, a decision at Thunder Rift, um, attracted me. So that's how I found my start in the whole franchise. I've often heard people say that Decision at Thunder Rift is one of the best novels. It's really, really good, yes. I'm glad we have a Thunder Rift map. <laughs> yes. Interestingly, we are the only ones of the of the Mac Warrior games that have that. Yeah, that's really surprising. You think they would have taken, like, they would have done anything to have a weird, interesting underground map or something like that. Alright, so we have some other questions. This one's pretty important. Uh, it came from Grim Avenger. It was pretty long, so I'll just paraphrase. Uh, he wanted to know, how come uh, Living Legends hasn't been ported to a new engine? Oh, man. That's 
<laughs> I think everybody here is like, okay. I think I think it's it's a fair question. Um, why why hasn't MechWarrior Living Legends been ported to a new engine? Why hasn't MechWarrior Living Legends been ported to a newer version of CryEngine? Um, that is oh, there's a lot there. Um, a lot of it had to do with um, the original founders um, and them working at Crytek. A lot of it had to do with um, the current community and the license itself. Uh, and it also has to do with, um, you know, how, how, uh, what assets we can bring and how much developer, how much developer time we can actually, uh, spend on it. Um, really you're thinking about, yeah, you could port this quote unquote, but really you just be developing a new game, um, almost from scratch again. Um, with the amount of changes that from CryEngine 2 to CryEngine, I think it's five, it's even past five now. I, I don't, I'm not even sure what version number it is. Um, the amount of changes uh, are so significant that a lot of our current assets would have to be completely redone. So there's no porting uh, other than maybe a few base assets. The sounds and things could probably be moved over, um, but we'd have to rebuild all of the sound libraries. I, I know that for sure. We'd have to redo all of the XMLs for for how these sounds play, we would have to make sure that the code gets ported over and, and is played right or just developed under the new, um, you know, the new developer uh, tools and, and, and workflow and processes for that. So there, there's a ton of work that would need to go into it. And unfortunately, we just don't have the developers or the time to, to do it anymore. Um, you know, we don't we don't have the same um, cohesion that we had when when the uh, original team was developing it uh, now that the community has kind of taken it upon themselves to to continue it it's really such a large undertaking that we might as well just start a new game yeah as one who currently works on this and one of the leading developers people make sich no make, don't make themselves a picture of uh, how much is actually involved in this um, adding on to what Landros already said, we are also heavily depending on what we have in the Crisis Wars demo. There is a lot of um, um, the particle effect libraries, for example, that we are using and that we can't simply just move over because uh, that wouldn't be allowed right now. Huh? And those are pros professional level effects that are not easily replaced. And then we also, at this time, we have entered an age where um, a client server application or a server application in itself that's not something that's being done anymore uh, so we would actually have to have somebody who writes us uh, in a server and yeah um, this team is uh, a lot smaller than the um, original team that started out and the whole idea of this um, this uh, effort was to to finish it, uh, to get it, uh, if possible, to get it to a 1.0 um, version at some point, and not to start all over again. That that was never the the idea that we had when we did uh, when we started out. Yeah, that actually um, leads into another question that Grim had. He wanted to know, like. Um, effectively, what would a 1.0 look like? When will development stop? That sort of thing. 
Well, uh, when will development stop? Um, what is still down in the can um, is the there is still an aerospace rework in the works uh, for the uh, for the VTOLs. They are supposed to move more like gunships than anti-gravity saucers. Like, right, they're doing like right now, <laughs> and so so that um, the whole ballooning aspect gets actually removed from them, which is still yeah. Annoying a lot of people, let's just say, even though VTOLs, if you take them as a team, they're not that much of a threat. But uh, yeah, it's, they will also be more intuitive to fly if they return to a flight model that is akin to, I don't know if you have ever played that, but um, Comanche 4. Um, this is basically what we're aiming for, that when you do not have an input, you the um, the VTOL will hover, it will auto hover. And only when you actually um, input something, then it will either move forward or backward or to the sides or up and down. Not like it is right now where you um, have throttle and you never can really get it stable. There is no way to stabilize the VTOL. It will either at all times it will fall down or it will go up. There is no um, um, nothing in between that. And this has always been annoying on the side to land a VTOL because yeah, you uh, have to constantly hammer um, the up key, um, yeah, it's not very intuitive to land those things. Yeah, I know. I was a VTOL player, uh, experienced VTOL player. Even I uh, will sometimes smash the VTOL into the ground hard enough to take damage. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. there is, of course, the BA, um, which uh, still planned to be finished up. Um, Finishing out the the light BAs, the medium BAs that we have right now, the heavy BAs that are already in place, and the assault BAs that are still supposed to come, and to make them more of a part of the game than they are right now. Um, well, oh yeah, and and uh, the VTOLs, of course, they are the light VTOLs will also. Um, there will be more of those. No, not of the light VTOLs, but we will get um, heavy VTOLs. Um, that is also something that's supposed to be added, which, uh, yeah, we'll have a lot of automated turrets instead of you aiming that much. Uh, that will be interesting to see how that plays out. I think, I think a good follow-up question that we're probably going to hear is claw when? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the claw, um, on that note, um, it has been discussed, of course, um, but we were more uh, thinking about basically having a seating system so that you can uh, hang off a Mac, um, more like a, it being a seat instead of really having an interactive claw because that thing, um, the attempts have been very buggy on that. And uh, yeah, well, that's something you from the old team did and we were more looking into, yeah, giving the max seats that can that uh, the BAs can attach to instead of having an interactive claw. Yeah, I think back when we, the, the original developers were working on it, it was uh, a very, very buggy, um, hacky way to do it. And, and unless we had gotten the, the actual uh, SDK um, to code it in, it, it was just, it's just not going to happen. I think a lot of it had to do with the net code and, and just synchronizations, um, 
and a lot part of it was also the gameplay um, portion where if you were attached to a mech you would be climbing onto it and then you'd have to be able to you know have a friend shoot you off which, which was the original goal um but uh it's it just it just was beyond the scope uh, at that point and it just ended up getting un under the rug of uh, of priority so it was it was just not something that they can continue to work on i, I think a lot of people probably remember you know pre pre 7 uh where we had you know ba charges um the c8 charges and, and the inferno charges uh which were pretty cool to do and it was always gratifying to 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 land one of those um they also caused a lot of crashes so oh, that, yeah. that was also a part of why those were removed <laughs> and floating geometry you could have an entire VTOL base float away if you place the CA charge in it. And then you have no idea actually where your VTOL is being built. It's, uh, yeah. I know in, um, <clears throat> in my case, I was in a beta test at one point, or maybe it was an alpha, must have been alpha test. But, uh, oh my gosh, it was awful. So I threw a C8 on the backside of an APC and five people crashed and i don't mean they crashed to desktop they their computer basically blue screened and they had to restart their computer yeah that's yep. bad there is no other way of putting it that's why we remove those things uh all right so for a 1.0 you're saying battle armor and vtols uh, regarding battle armor, so if we're going to have medium battle armor and light battle armor and heavy and assault battle armor or whatever, um, the current medium battle armors, what's going to happen there? Are players still going to be in a medium battle armor inside of tanks and mechs and stuff, or will they be in a light battle armor or what? No, um, the idea is to, everybody will have to actually buy a BA at that point. Um, there is a new base um, model in the works, but which will uh, start the pilot out, which will be the Nighthawk. Um, yeah, it doesn't come to mind, it, uh, but it's not a battle armor. It's below that. P-A-L. Yes, Power, power Armor Light, exactly. That's, what, <laughs> that's the thing that slipped my mind. It's a Power Armor Light, and it's, uh, yeah, that's below a BA. And from when the um, Nighthawk gets into the build, you will have to buy battle armors instead of having them in your cockpit. Awesome. Um, I think I once heard Invictus say something like he wanted to add one more game mode between before uh, 1.0. Has there been any decision made on what like another game mode might even look like? To be quite honest, no. The um, yes, we want to include another game mode as well, at least one. Um, what it's going to be like? There has there has been discussions on what's uh, what we want. Maybe something objective based or something like that. But uh, yeah. It never really, so far it hasn't moved beyond the concept stage and concept and really asterisk to, to put it like that. I think there's a lot of good ideas, um, but as we've seen, even in other games where a lot of good ideas for game modes, uh, the execution can be flawed or it just is not actually fun due to meta. 
Um, what I, I, one of my fantasies for, for a game mode is, is a nice assault and defend, or even, uh, one of the things I'd been thinking about is almost like a MOBA where you would have a base and your resources would send out AI units almost. Um, but I mean, that's, that's so ambitious and, and, and out of scope of what we're doing, but, um, it almost goes into the territory. What would you do? And, and what, what do you dream of for, for being a 1.0? Yeah, what we've uh, what has been heavily discussed in that realm is something with less of a time commitment because um, everybody plays terrain control right now. Um, some play sometimes Solaris Arena, but that's not much of a thing actually. So what mostly is being played are either organized events on the weekend, but mostly terrain control. Uh, so and. As I said, this um, terrain control has a very large time commitment. These rounds last a while. They can they can pa go past one hour, depending on what the server is being set to. And the idea was to get a game mode where you can actually jump in and get maybe um, 10 or 20 minutes of gameplay and uh, jump out again. That is something that has always been on our mind. There was a map from uh, Finalizer called Dust Bowl Arena that I played years ago, and it kind of had that quick pick-up and game uh, sort of, or pick-up game sort of um, feeling to it. Uh, it would give you a certain amount of C-bills to start out with, and you could buy any asset that cost that much. You'd go out, and then once all the enemies were dead, then the game would reset. Uh, or there was a case of a destructible building, and if you put enough weapons fire into that, then the game would just reset. It wasn't fully implemented, but uh, it was um, implemented enough that uh, it was fun. Yeah, interesting to, to see that come back. Like that. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the more plausible implementations of another game mode. I think something that we're kind of missing in, in even in some of the community maps is really kind of like a, a ruined battlefield, you know, something where it, it gets hard because you have to really balance the, the frames per second um, performances. But uh, I always think about things like, you know, the urban environment of MechWarrior 3, make it a little more sparse, but really have a lot of that um, kind of blown up, torn down uh, environment uh, to fight in. And, uh, you know, what kind of tactics or, or strategies you can come up with uh, and things like that. I'm, I'm really big into atmosphere. All right. Yeah, well, I can concur with that <laughs> as well. <laughs> We've got a few more questions here. Um, I'll put this one to Rick. Perseus says, what mech has the best cockpit? And which has the worst? So, uh, in your opinion, it's like I'll your start with the worst because that's easier for me to answer because I have some that I really don't appreciate. Uh, the Nova Cat cockpit is just so bad to me. I that could be I could be the only one who doesn't like it, but it is a long horizontal strip across the center of your screen, and that's all you get to see. It uh, it can make it very difficult for me at least, to use them. Um, 
best cockpit though I do like the Mad Cat cockpit in uh Living Legends a lot. Um it's up there it's up there maybe with the Cauldron Born as well. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with the the uh the Nova Cat as being one of the worst. Uh, I'd love to see a redesign if we could get um uh who who was it? Was it Chezer who did the commando? Yeah. I'd love to see if we could get Chezer to redo the Nova Cat um, and and make that one, uh, you know, really really pop the the way he's done redone the Commando. Um, I would say I agree with the Mad Cat. I I, I love the Mad Cat's uh, cockpit. It's it, it's beautiful. It reminds me of uh, the Mech Warrior Two intro uh, when when you're inside, you know, when you're seeing that in the cinematic, um, and uh, it. You know the way the the weapons work and the way that that mech works, by and large, feels very much like the cinematic to me. Um, but I, I'd also say Chezer's work on the Commando is great. Uh, I I just wish our animations for it were, were a bit better. Okay, as for me, um, yeah, Nova Cat certainly um, <laughs> that belongs. It's just a strip, and I fear we might not we might not have the source for um, so that we can alter it in any way. I'm afraid that's something that's missing, but I'm not certain. But uh, I fear that's why there has never been talking about even about changing that because the the source for the art isn't there anymore, and we were to have to redo the Nova Cat entirely to to do something about it. Um, yeah, as for the best. For me, I say that Timberwolf and Marauder are pretty much tied. They are both have a lot of view area, and they both look gorgeous. I've been a big fan of the Owens cockpit. I love the screens. The screens just are—they're the right colors. And uh, I remember seeing it in some trailers as it comes out of the water, and uh, the UI is off. And you can see just the cockpit. Oh, it's brilliant. I think the Owens is the poster about cock uh, cockpit as well. It's pretty much the most complete cockpit that exists, if I remember that correctly. I think another one of my favorites is the Hollander. Just having that big gun right there next to your cockpit is just so fun. Uh, I disagree. It takes a lot of view area for that pleasure. I'd rather see more <laughs> on the other sides and have that gun sticking out there, but that's just me. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Um, and then worst, I actually... I actually prefer the Nova Cat over this one other asset, but it's not a, not a mech. Um, it's actually an aircraft, and it's the Avar. Um, there's some really clear, uh, like, seams in the textures, and sure, I can see a nice little screen in the cockpit, but that's about it. Um, the other aerospace, I think, have better cockpits than the Avar. Uh, Perseus also wants to know, um, what do you do when you get 2v1'd? Uh, what that are um, either the same size as you or smaller than you. What do you do to try to win in that sort of situation? 
Uh, I suppose, yeah, anybody can take this question. Um, for me, because I'm such a, I'm not really uh, keeping up with what the, the metas are uh, with uh, how everybody plays. But tactically for me, it would be kind of fall back a little bit. If, if I'm in something like a Warhammer and I've got some lights going on around me, uh, I'm probably going to get more damaged uh, and, and useless before I, I take both of them out. Um, but I'll try to focus on one, typically. Just focus on one. Make sure I, I'm focusing fire on, on any one aspect of, of that mech that's most damaged um, and, and try to take it out and then do a, do a safe retreat if I can uh, to, to continue the engagement with the other one uh, at the same time. Um, so that, that's probably what I would tend to do, at least tactically, that's how I would think of it. It doesn't always play out that way when you've got, you know, uh, VTOLs and, and aerospace coming down on you too. I know for me, um, when I get attacked by two assets that are about the same size or smaller than mine, um, I have to take a quick assessment. Is there a place I can retreat to, or am I going to die? <laughs> uh, if the answer is, I'm going to die, then, uh, then yes, focus on one of my enemies. And one of the things that, if you're in a mech, for example, uh, that some people don't always know to do, is that if the enemy mechs are circling around you, and you're having a hard time keeping your weapons on target, uh, you can actually reverse throttle so hit x usually to kill your throttle then hold down on s to reverse throttle and rotate your torso the opposite direction and you'll usually catch the enemy before they have a chance to turn around and start running the other way what not w always <laughs> yeah i think i agree with Landros on that it depends on the situation of course as well do if I, do I have a tonnage advantage, or I, am I below what my uh, what my opponent opponents have? Um, yeah, but focusing on one is certainly the way to go because when you are dividing attention, you're probably not going to do much to either of them. All right, we've got uh, another question from Critical Rocket, and he has two questions. Um. Are they still open to adding more mechs, tanks, aerotech further down the line? Well, we just heard some of that. Um, yes. Uh, at least for the uh, aerospace. Um, I didn't hear anything yes, about more mechs or tanks. Specifically to the VTOLs to, to round that out. But um, the, mech, the mech lineup is done. Uh, there might be some bonus uh, mediums. That might still come. We will have to see. But mostly we're done with Max and the the two new tanks that are running around uh, the new updates that's being tested right now, openly tested as well. Um, yeah, they round out the the tank lineup. So mostly we are closed on that. We will have to see. Uh, Critical Rocket also asks. Um, what are the priorities for the team going forward? Yeah, I'd say that has been covered. Well, we are going to go into VTOL and BA development from now on. Alright. Um, 
Kamikaze asks, when will we have tripod mechs? Which which Kamikaze asked that question? It's the one you're thinking of. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, dear founders, uh, yeah, just joking around. Yeah, as for, but honestly, as for more legged assets, that's just not an option. Of because of the way that um, the mechs are actually implemented, which is it's a gun turret sitting on, uh, well, on oversized man legs, really man legs. Um, that's how they work. And um, because of this workaround, they're also kind of stuck in the orientation they are. You see that they never really adjust to terrain. They are always straight up. If we added quad max or something, it would look really, really terrible if they would be standing on any incline because the legs would all be on the same, um, um, the same plane and would be hanging in the air uh, and some would be uh, connected with the terrain. It would be awful. Yeah, uh, I remember vaguely uh, way back was that we had to turn the IK off uh, for terrain um, adherence. Uh, I think some of some of the animations and some of the the restrictions on on the rigging was causing problems with um, with animating the max. So it, it I think the decision early on was well, we'll just turn the IK off. Was that the thing where like if you turned really sharply with an Owens that it would lean into the turn? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised you remember that. It's hard to forget, somebody had uh, this video of an Owens dancing around and sliding left and right on uh, Extremity. Yeah, there was, I mean, it, it was, it's really cool tech, and you do see it in MechWarrior Online, um, that that was something that they, they could get working. Um, and you see it now even in, in the Unreal Engine with MechWarrior 5, um, but unfortunately it's just out of out of our grasp uh, as far as uh, being able to spend time on get it working. Uh, let's see. So what else is on here? Uh, I see quad max, hexapod max. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's all covered like that. under what I just said. Um, yep. It's not an option, guys. I'm sorry. Um, Zhead OS and Sabrist ask for the urban mech and the Tenchi respectively mm, yeah we're jumping that question that's basically <laughs> just trolling at this point that's what i figured um so let me take a look i can I'll read this i can't remember i mean uh, I'm getting crossed on on what the Tenchi is. Was that actually a cannon battle mech, or was no, that... no, no? It's the that one that MacTech. It's the one that MacTech introduced and was specifically um, for. They specifically uh, made that for a now dead team member. I don't right. see any we... reason why we would ever want to do to do that. Right. Yeah. Especially. I, I think I... Especially also with the way MacTech uh, treated the original uh, Living Legends team, because uh, as I remember, that the original team actually asked MacTech for help to get the ball rolling, and they were like, "No, nah, nah, folks, we are not going to do anything. Uh, you're probably not the real deal." 
Yeah, and and that was fair, but um, I, I think that historically, you're right. It it was a, a dead, uh, a, a now past member of uh, I think it was House Dry, uh, which was a big big thing back, big clan back in MechWarrior Four, uh, and the the member his name was Tenchi Muyo, which was named after you know obviously the the anime, but um, but it was it was dedicated to him when MechTech de- developed it, so. Probably, probably not. More than likely not. Yeah, and it, honestly, it doesn't really add anything. There is no niche that it would cover. Uh, there is no reason to include this. Uh, let's see. Firehound asks if there are any plans in the future of having a mapping standard developer kit or repository. There used to be. We used, we used to have um, back on 1.0 or well not 1.0 but 0.10 um, its release was there was a, a, a kind of prefab set for all of the uh, the assets uh, that any any sort of if anybody wanted to make a game mode was you would just need to build it off uh, a set I don't know whatever happened to that though yeah i don't think we have that anymore um and yeah right now mapping has come a bit too close because our mappers are mostly inactive so i'd say right now mm, doesn't look too good for something like this we do have another map that may or may not be included i didn't see the latest on that one can you can you speak to that one andrew um you mean or yeah i think you what was it called again uh one moment it's in the mapping well while you're looking that up um i have heard at least our most active people when it comes to mapping instead of making new maps have been trying to improve old maps like how we now have uh tc extremity yeah, exactly. And uh, we have a changed up um, TC Desolation. Yeah, um, there has been some outs- uh, some efforts outside of the team to to improve some of the maps just via um, XML editing, and the results have actually been pretty good. It's surprising how much you can simply do with the XML itself. I didn't actually expect that to be possible, that you can do so much outside of a sandbox. But yeah, um, the map we just talked about is TC Lost Hope, um, which has um, been made by Volkodav, uh, who has been recently added to the team. Which would be a new urban-centric map. It looks really good, but uh, supposedly it's um, it's really performance-intensive. There is really, really um, graphic-intensive stuff, and the last time it was tested, it didn't run too well. But yeah, we have to see. Yeah, it'd be nice to uh, have another urban map. Yeah, an, an official one even. I mean, urban jungle is nice and all, but the problem with urban jungle is that it's a, it's another... I mean, even that one has been edited now. Um, 
through a community effort doing XML changes as well. Um, but yeah, um, the sources for uh, Urban Jungle are lost. Um, that's something the uh, when the uh, original maker came on uh, confirmed that to us that in some uh, HDD crash he lost the sources. So any major reworks on that map are sadly out of the question. All right, we've got another question from S.J. Samad Al Hayadi, and he. That's said... actually that's actually Spatznitz bear. Spatznitz <laughs> uh, bear. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Spet says, um, what are some game mechanics or elements that you wanted to implement, but for whatever reason you couldn't? Nandros, you want to take that one first? Oh, man, mine's going to be really long-winded. <laughs> um, so, when we were originally developing, um, we had several game modes um first was solaris solaris arena because it, we needed something that was quick um and then terrain control um which was uh trial of annihilation initially um and uh we we had a, a another assault and defend game mode that was in the works um we couldn't quite get it working and then there was a, a game mode where it was purely assault and defense, where you only defended on one side and you only assaulted on one side. And that involved um, trying to eventually destroy uh, an overlord or onion dropship, um, which, uh, or, or a base at one end. But work on those was always ever just preliminary. Um, I think in, you probably saw in a lot of the trailers early on where you had the Onion or the Overlord dropships. Uh, we actually had working bays in, in, in a couple of those. But um, uh, that was when we had the, uh, the, the rising elevator bays rather than the, the spawn uh, as it is now uh, bays. But uh, yeah, I'd love to uh, see something One of the like versions of Zudermir used to have those elevator bays. Yeah, yeah. Did they? Did people actually get them working again? Yeah, I think so. But they were still buggy enough and inconsistent enough that they just got removed. Yeah, it, it was something that was kind of cool. Um, I, I thought it was it was a neat concept because it was like pulling it out of a, a you know a little like drive bay or something like that. But um, I'd I'd love to see. So I touched on this earlier about you know, a MOBA, I'd love to see a game mode where um, we get, like, some little AI assets to assault bases, um, and as mechs, uh, like, you could, you know, fight along with those assets to to uh, help take them over, and as you gain more assets, you gain more resources uh, to, to, you know, build heavier assets to help fight further. So you always have this kind of constant power struggle where, oh, that was the other game. It was called Power Struggle. Or no, that was the original Crisis Mode. That's right. My bad. I'm sorry. I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'd love to see something like that where you, you have like this supply line of things where you're consistently having to not just defend the base, but defend the, the line itself. 
So like a MOBA where you, uh, one of my big uh, things where I started thinking of this was actually Paragon. I don't know if anybody remembers that game from Epic. Um, it was a third person's uh, MOBA where in your lanes you had you had creeps like you would have in Dota or, or League of Legends. Um, and you these would actually be like uh, infantry or, or supplies or, or things to go to the base. And if those got disrupted, the base, you know, would be more more vulnerable to uh, to take over. So you always had this kind of dual role uh, to play. Uh, and then um, one of the big things early on when we were developing before we had Max was we were doing a lot of gameplay tests with just like the Demolisher and, and the early iterations of, of the Battle Armor. Um, I'd love to see something where it's, it's really Battle Armor. I, I know that this is probably going to be a hot take <laughs> for people because I, <laughs> I think there's, there's, there's talk of let's not go in this direction, but I'd love to see a more Battle Armor uh, combined arms focus where Battle Armor have to go into a base and take it over. Very similar to, uh, I don't know if anybody remembers this game called uh, Angels Fall First, where you... You have these ships and, and things, but when you actually go to take over or destroy a ship, you have to actually board it. Um, uh, it it's very much in concept uh, to what would be planet side. I'd love to see uh, a planet side with basically mech, in the MechWarrior universe. That, that be would awesome. be my ultimate game mode. Uh, he... Spetsnaz Bear also asks... Um, well, no, I have something to add to this. Go ahead, sorry. Um, well, I discovered in a lot of uh, fragments of work also that you that the old team wanted to do a lot more in the aspects of mech simulation, like having real... Um, um, now the words are slipping again. Um, Peripheral it. support? Mm, that's now... Um, not terrible. God damn it. What is this thing called that balances everything? <laughs> uh, um, the gyroscopes? Yeah, there was supposed to be gyroscope simulation, for example. Definitely. But uh, yeah, the way the, um, the whole and the whole things works right now doesn't seem to be possible to do that, really. Yeah, the character... The... Um, mechs would have to be able to tilt and lean and everything like exactly. that. Exactly. Right. And having um, real um, recall on weapons as well as they did it on Mech Warrior 3. There was also hints on in the files that that was planned, but yeah, same problem. I'd like to really see... One of the things I, I thought that we could have done way back when, because we had access to scale form um was to actually start like an online almost like an online service kind of like how MechWarrior online worked but more to harken back to like if anybody remembers i don't know if any of you guys ever played it but battletech 3025 um or, or battle it was like the early mmos of, of battletech or MechWarrior. but um you know there's that whole it, it had a whole hierarchy um, on the Genie servers back in the, the early 90s or mid-90s, um, it was using the MechWarrior 1 engine. And 
you had the entire aspect of the inner sphere where each of the house lords was run by a player and it, they each had their own command structure and hierarchy and you were promoted or you joined one of those houses, you were assigned to a unit. Uh, and as you were assigned to that unit, it was a lance and you would be assigned mechs from, from the, uh, the quartermasters on, on each of those houses. So it had this an entire command structure that you really only saw in a forex uh, these days that that was actually was playable they had supply lines you had to take planets um, progressively you couldn't just jump a planet and then you know uh, you know hop here and there to to win it over on a faction and that's something i i wish we could have done to, to be more practical in in this day and age i i would have loved to have seen something like a solaris arena tournament that was that had live uh um that had basically seasons um where you would have a champion for a season um and i don't know if it would just run off uh, mostly just kills or or uh brackets but i'd love to see a game mode like that where if we were to do anything in the future on a new game or new new development of anywhere i i would probably implement something like that to to get people always playing to have quick matches where you could you would have actual stats and um things to brag about yeah we had the planetary league um back in 2013 or so i think and uh yeah, that sounds a lot like what our Planetary League, only with um, a lot more practical automation included to help smooth things out and make it so there wasn't so much uh, paperwork to be done. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the old leagues like NBT and uh, TKZ, got the, and we're going back, you know, far, far back. A lot of that stuff was really cool and really well done. You know, Dark Phoenix did a lot of great stuff with NBT to to make it really inclusive to have a command and control system uh, and run supplies and, and tracking. And I think if anything, I'd love to see a system where I, I'm honestly surprised that like MechWarrior 5 or MechWarrior uh, 4 online doesn't do more of it um, where there's, there's player control over over the the supplies and and uh, not supplies but like the mechs being assigned and, and things like that and um you know damage states because they did have all that kind of running uh back in early early betas um i almost want to say alpha of MechWarrior online but um it, it, it's that's the kind of stuff that i love i love getting in the nitty-gritty of that stuff and i, I feel like that really helps um, sell the experience because you have people who join clans and, and these guilds and, and have this hierarchy uh, and uh, and that really to me was what I grew up with you know back in NetMech um, or MechWarrior 2 but um, I don't know maybe I'm a one-off I, I don't <laughs> know what what do you what like Kentex you haven't really talked about it much yourself what do you what is your ultimate goal for for a MechWarrior game Gosh, uh, well, you know what you were talking about there, that's definitely something I've wanted for a long time. Uh, I do remember quite fondly 
for example, uh, being able to move mechs around from planet to planet. Uh, we would build most of our mechs on worlds that had mech factories, and the mechs would always show up in groups of one variant, or one of every variant. And so you would end up getting some of these garbage variants that aren't very useful or have very, very narrow uses. And so you take the ones that are narrowly useful and focus them on planets that have maps that play to their advantages. One of the best examples of this was um, the map Ilium Range, really cold. There was a whole planet where almost everything was cold maps. And so I took... This was back when there were medium pulse laser Osiris's, and there didn't have to be the same number of players on each team. You just had to have uh, no more than 360 tons for Intersphere, and no more than 320 turn, uh, tons for Clan, and no more than 345 if it was mixed tech. Um, but so what I did was I just shoved. Uh, all of the four medium pulse laser Osiris's that used to exist onto that planet. And so there was one match where uh, I think the current, the, it was um, under mouse, um, Smoke Jaguar brought these mad cats and black lanterns and all these other things. And we just swarmed them and murdered them with a whole bunch of Osiris's. It was hilarious. Other sorts of things that I'd like to see in a Mech Warrior game. Gosh, uh, not Mech Lab. No, that's never really been what I've been. That I'm sure I enjoyed Mech Lab to a degree. Like when I had that uh, Commando with literally no weapons on Mech Warrior Online. I just had a Tag and a Narc and um, Guardian Electronic Countermeasures and Beagle Active Probe and just nothing else. Uh, so that aspect certainly can be fun, but I feel like it should be only one game mode and certainly not the one that gets mo the most uh, focus. Gameplay mode-wise, I definitely want like um, missions where you can go and... Like, maybe the enemy is necessarily going to lose. There's almost no way you're not going to win, but they can change the degree to which you'll win by. That's a really interesting point. I, I love the, the aspect of, of, like, really assigning those variants, which are specific uses, because in the, in the lore, that's mostly correct. You know, that, that's what they were you know, built for was for specific use cases. So, um, you know, you had fire support adders, you know, like the adder C, um, and, and like, you know, some of the storm crows where it's just all missile fire and stuff like that. And they were relegated to the, to the back of, of the, uh, the, the battle. So I, I'd love to see stuff like that implemented. I, I love that point. Rick, have, do you have anything to add on that, on that point? Do, are you interested in something like a planetary league with, uh, with clans and all of that? So I've never actually, unlike I guess the rest of you guys, haven't had the opportunity to play in such events, except for some of the uh, player-run events. Like I played a few Chaos March rounds uh, back in the day, and I play some of the single-life games that uh, Direwolf organizes these days. Um, from a 
from a gameplay perspective, I think all that's the logistics can be fun for some people. It's not necessarily my favorite thing. I I could feel myself getting into it, but I I guess contrary to Kentax, I would rather sacrifice a uh, a more logistics focused meta game for the inclusion of say getting into the nitty gritty in a mech lab. That was always one of my favorite parts of the MechWarrior franchise. Uh, was getting into and building just ridiculous variants that really shouldn't work or be useful at all, uh, just to see what uh, see what you could do with them. Um, although I will admit, in other games, the concept of more planetary based, large scale strategy has been interesting. Um, I don't know if you guys ever played a uh, real time strategy game from the '90s called uh, Total Annihilation. But it had a uh, a similar mode where the two factions in the game would fight for different planets in the galaxy in a in a similar manner, and it was all online and worked through a through an external service that's long since dead. Um, oh, but man, it I was about it, that. it offers very interesting. Um, I forget what it was called. Landros, did you ever play in it? Uh, no, I didn't play it. My, my brothers did though. And I remember watching them play, playing the league. Um, yeah, or not, not the league, but, but the online portion, but yeah, it, it was a planetary control kind of system. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I did some reading on some, on some of that after discovering it. And in some games, I think that would be a really cool, uh, like aspect to add on top of it. But in at least MechWarrior games, there's so much going on in respect to it's a simulation game, it's a first-person shooter, it's a, at least in MechWarrior Living Legends case, it's also a combined arms game, that it doesn't necessarily need the extra strategic front for you to be thinking about, to my mind anyway. Some players may want that, uh, but it's the MechWarrior games for me are so fun because there's just so much going on. Uh, that I'm not sure that they would necessarily need that feature to be complete, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think with MechWarrior, it's really got an interesting aspect to it that you really have this um, uh, player, um, kind of player skill of, uh, or, or, or it's really heavily, heavily player-based. But if you were to take the combined arms aspect um of it is you know you could mass throw a mass of 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 assets at a at a point and be like yeah that's ours but you still have the player skill um really play a part of of whether or not that you know the tactical the strategy uh, of taking those points and i think that's one of the most interesting aspects of mech warrior whereas if you're while well, you play planet side um, it's kind of like a rock, paper, scissors, um, it, but it's, but it's more like just throw a lot of bodies at it and hopefully they'll, they'll, uh, finally concede or, or, you know, you just happen to, to luck out on timing. I really think our chaos march from my art was advantageous in this regard, because the problem I always, always see with planetary leaks is, uh, people and their availability. Um, Battles need to happen, and teams need to make up, need to, need to meet up, and the players need to be there. 
um, because they are assigned to specific clans and only when everybody is there, the battle can happen and it's to be that because, uh, yeah, not everybody is there or too little or too few people are there. Uh, in Chaos of Chaos March, that was never a problem because everybody was just assigned to whichever faction was battling on that day. It made things a lot easier and more fluid in that regard. Yeah, with um, the Planetary League, um, the one back in like uh, around 2012, 2013, was that uh, we had players that were dedicated and would only play for one faction and then we had other players that were mercenaries and now or, or then later with chaos march um it was oh well we've got four players maybe five or six players that are dedicated to their factions and then everyone else is a merc Yeah, this, this this aspect just makes it easy for the battles actually to take place because who is their place and uh, who isn't there doesn't play and the battles take place instead of you having to wait around to actually get the people in the right clans together to have the match. Maybe a little bit tangential to this is um, do you guys ever feel like the way that mech warriors design, uh, the, the way that most of the games have, have played out is that contrary to the way the lore reads is the weapons effects are not as effective as what you would see in the lore. You know, obviously you would have, you've had, uh, things in like Thunder Rift where, um, our Gauss rifle ripped through a mech, literally ripping through a mech. Um, and in the art, you'd see it, you know, going completely through the mech even. Um, whereas if we were playing, you know, MechWarrior Online or, or even MechWarrior Living Legends, is the, the weapon effect is it just takes some armor off, you know? And, and I'm not talking so much about the effect itself of what you see, but more of the fragility uh, and um, the, yeah. the, the high, that, high damage. Note, yeah, I don't want to cut you off, I'm sorry. Um, on that note, the writing just includes the, well, the board game rules of criticals, and that's uh, stuff that's mostly excluded from MechWarrior, because, uh, yeah, it's questionable that that's actually fun to have in the game uh, when you're playing it um, as a shooter um, simulation. Well, One thing I was... My... Oh, good. The, uh, I would tend to agree with Landros that it definitely feels different uh, playing any of the MechWarrior games to reading any of the lore, but that's because it seems like, at least in the lore, the encounters mech-on-mech mech last a matter of seconds, maybe. Uh, whereas, I think what Andrew said, that might not be fun if you're playing a first-person shooter where, you know, you, you get hit twice and you die. Uh, or your mech yeah, but, is and even destroyed. yeah, not that you get hit uh, twice and you die, but uh, you randomly die. Huh? It's uh, it's a critical. You just uh, somebody scored a twenty on their hit roll, and that's when you uh, when you get punctured and uh, lie on the ground. And um, yeah, that's that's generally not something that's really uh, great for online play. I'd say. I don't know. I, I the the way I look at it, and and this has kind of been driven more more 
lately um, in the last 10 years by games like uh, Dark Souls um, or Escape from Tarkov, Arma, uh, and, and, or even uh, Rainbow Six Siege, where you've got this really low, uh, what they call in, in the FPS world, TTK, which is time to kill. Um, and this is, you're seeing this in, in like Call of Duty and stuff, where these low amounts of time to kill something gives players a, a sense of uh, triumph, almost. Um, it, it's almost kind of like uh, casino uh, psychology, if you, if you could think of it like that. But um, I, I really feel like it could work in, a, in the MechWarrior world. I think the, the biggest problem that everybody has you know, complained about or talked about in the Battletech and MechWarrior world uh, differences is the pinpoint accuracy. And I think um, what, what's interesting and what really drove this uh, lately to my mind was watching Mech Doomer, some of the videos of Mech Doomer of that, um, what's his name, Lewis, I, I think, Lewis P3 or something Nifty, like that. Yeah. Um, was watching his the weapons fire from, from that uh, was that torso-mounted weapons still fired separately from the crosshair. And I know we were playing with that early in development to see if we could get it to do that. And um, unfortunately, the, uh, the, the, de the decision was made to just make it pinpoint if we can. Um, and that all the other aspects of it are, are to throw off your accuracy. Uh, to me, I feel like you could get away with something. And I, I've mentioned this before in chat was uh, an elite dangerous style system along with the torso weapon. Um, not adhering wholly to the the, um, the the crosshair, but only to a certain range. Like they're on a, a small gimbal or a very narrow gimbal where um, your weapons fire does not all converge to one point, but can converge to its own point. And so each, each weapon would have its own independent aiming system almost um, where if you're shooting at a target that's far away and you've got mostly close range weapons uh, or medium range weapons is it's not going to converge that far uh, for you. Whereas if you had a, a large laser and this happens too in, in, in the, uh, the tabletop. And I think this system would work uh, in, in comparison to that without having to deal with the randomness of roles is you would have, you know, a, a longer convergence for, for, or uh, uh, what am I trying to say here? Um, a narrower convergence for long-range weapons versus a wider convergence for short-range weapons. And I, I think with that is you, if you, anybody has played Elite Dangerous and you see some of those lasers where they, they kind of float around on the gimbal uh, according to movement, uh, I think that would play into the inaccuracy. So when you have more inaccuracy of, of hitting a target, you could probably bring down the armor values so that it's more lethal when you do actually connect. And so I, I, I feel like that TTK um, would really play into the skill of being able to get these weapons to connect. Um. On the team, we certainly have talked about aiming cones, but uh, yeah, uh, we generally feel that um, 
the existing community now wouldn't accept that if we went that way, even if this is still considered a beta. It has been running too long the way it has now, and uh, it's such a drastic change. Uh, so it'd be um, like for a future project sort of thing. Would, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. no, that, that it, was... it would be rejected. And yeah, I mean, definitely not for Macquarie Living Legends. It was it was more more um, kind of hypothesizing or opining about or opining about uh, you know what kind of system do you feel would work uh, in a future game? And I I always I always kind of go back to this thought of of that of raise the lethality of of weapons but make it harder to actually connect and, and really play that that piloting and that skill uh, of the player uh, to drive that home. Um, but again, there, you know, there's balance issues there as well. So it's, it's all dependent on, on the game systems that are developed. So, but uh, I always wondered what, what other people uh, thought of the lethality of, of the lore. Um, because I know Stackpole and the other writers, some of them would actually play out the battles in, in the tabletop, um, and and put that into writing. All right. Well, I think we're getting to the end of our time here. So uh, if anybody has any uh, clothing thoughts or anything like that, uh, feel free to share them. Uh, Tenchi is 2022. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it, what, was there something else there? No. Ah, okay. So in that case, uh, I'd like to thank Shivaxi for our uh, closing theme. And I would like to thank uh, Timothy Seals for our opening theme. And this has been Returning to Base, a MechWarrior Living Legends podcast. <laughs>